Good morning. And a very good thank you clap that you gave to the people that came for the work day. They got a lot of work done outside, and if you didn't notice, it's because you weren't looking at it before they got out there and cleaned it up. But we know that when we have guests that come onto the property, they notice it. So thank you to everybody who helped that day. We've had a busy couple of weeks here, haven't we? And we've had a number of you ladies and some of you men who have really gone all out to put love on a plate this last week and uh, very much appreciate that. We're going to switch gears today and for the next three weeks, so four weeks total, we're going to be talking about biblical leadership. I want you to think about this. Do you agree with this? As the leadership goes, so goes the congregation. Yes, no. So who our leaders are matters, doesn't it? Um, Jim Estep, David Roadcup, and Gary Johnson uh, all happen to be Cincinnati Bible grads. That's how they all have stayed together through the years. Uh, Gary Johnson um, went to Indian Creek uh, over in Indianapolis and took a church of about 126 people to over 6,000. Uh, David Roadcup has been preaching, uh, has been teaching at Cincinnati and various other things for a long time. And David e- and uh, Jim Estep is uh, the dean at one of our colleges, and right now it slips my mind which one it is. But these are guys that have started a group called E2 which is encouraging elders, and they go around the country. They've written several books. In fact, some of what I'm going to talk about over the next four weeks is going to be informed by their writings, and uh, you will see things from them. But who our recognized shepherds are and where they are leading is of critical importance to your spiritual well-being. Amen? Amen. Nothing flashy today. In fact, over the next four weeks, I am probably going to do more teaching than preaching. But there's a reason for it. You have an election time coming up. And it's important that as we regroup... As we seek to move into the future, being a kingdom-minded group that is not only growing the kingdom by bringing people in, but also growing leaders from within, it's important that we stay in step with God the way he is leading. And the best and easiest place for us to find that out is to look at the biblical example. And that's what we are going to look at. Because this will affect each of you personally. So stay with me over the next four weeks. We have just had a time where the men, uh, all the men of the congregation were invited to come. And 18 actually came and studied through this book right here by Lynn Anderson. 
Lynn Anderson uh, of Abilene Christian College, a uh, Church of Christ college, uh, wrote this book several years ago. And uh, Christian Standard back in 2008 said that Anderson was one of the most respected authorities on church leadership. Now, I am aware that some of you, some 20 years ago, actually read that book. If you still have it on your shelf and you were not part of that men's study, and ladies, I'm including you, if it happens to be on your shelf, pull it off and read it. It is an extremely good primer starting place on biblical leadership. And it's going to be part of the model that we're going to be using as we try to move forward. The premise of the book is right there in the title. Shepherds smell like sheep. Over 500 times in the Old Testament and the New Testament. It talks about the leaders of Israel the leaders of the church, as shepherds. In fact, if you look through Scripture, it is the main metaphor for leadership within the body of Christ. That means it ought to be important for us to understand what shepherding is. It's also important that you know that already... Much prayer and self-examination and research has gone into forming where we're headed and will continue to go into forming the direction that we believe God is leading us. So, it is not a stretch that if you have been praying for Oakland Drive Christian Church and you have been praying for the direction of this church, it is not a stretch to say that this is a result of your prayers. We are going to be following some good, sound, godly advice that comes out of our brotherhood. And the desire for us, the elders that are currently here, and hopefully the elders and deacons that may join us in January... As your recognized shepherd, our desire is to lead you in a more biblical way. And in that, we will be calling ourselves to a greater degree of accountability to you and to each other and to Lord Jesus. And we will talk about that more over the next couple of weeks. Our aim is to avoid leadership mistakes by following a biblical model of how we recognize and how we call others into servant leadership. Because leadership within the body of Christ is not the same as leadership in the world. The leadership in the world tends to have this top-down mentality. But God is the ultimate servant who came in the flesh in the form of Jesus Christ, who died for you and gave you his spirit, all there to support those that are doing his work and are reaching out to a greater world. In other words, it's servant leadership. It's a bottom-up kind of a leadership. We're going to talk about that over the next four weeks
The intention is to help you understand the thoughts of Randy and Scott, myself, as we have been working on this since August. The men, as we went through six weeks of study together, not only getting them on the same plane as us, but also us listening to them as they brought good ideas in. And we want you to understand our thoughts and the process as we look to see what Scripture says and does not say about congregational leadership. We seek to lead by example in a greater degree of submission to God's will and to do that with transparency. Does that sound like a good thing to you? Can I get an amen? Amen. Father God, we thank you for the fact that you do not leave us alone in this world. Not only do you give us the spirit, but you give us each other. Souls that you have died for. Souls that recognize you as Lord, Master, Creator, and indwelling Guide, Counselor. As we come together and as we seek to be the kind of church that you want right here at Oakland Drive Christian Church. May we seek to be the servants that you would have us to be. And may we seek those that lead us. May we recognize their leadership well. And let us appoint and recognize the best leaders we have available. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now you know that each and every Christian is called by God. As you know, Scripture says no one can come to Jesus except that the Father draws them in. We are all called with the same mission. We are all ministers of the gospel. We are all to serve God. And part of that is not only serving inside this body, but serving others, that souls that he has died for, who may not even recognize him yet. In fact, in our brotherhood, what we call that is a priesthood of all believers. You've heard that phrase before, haven't you? We have that. But I tell you, if you're going to bring a group together, you're not going to have four or even five people together where one's not going to rise to the top and be the leader of the group, right? So we can't have a group together without having someone who is leading and helping to guide, so, the first thing I want you to look there on your sheet, and you can write this down. Servant leaders are called by God. You think about it, through the scriptures, Moses, was he called by God? Abraham, David, Isaiah, Samuel, Amos, we can go on and on. They were all called by God. Jesus, when he walked on the earth, we have where he called specifically 12 to him. We call those what? We call them the what? 
the apostles, right? Yeah. Now, I can bet that there are others that Jesus used his call for. But we recognize those 12 that are directly called by Christ. Now, how was Moses called? Do you remember? He heard a voice from what? From a burning bush. How was Samuel called? Do you remember? He was laying down at night, and what did he hear? The voice of God calling him. Yes, Samuel. Absolutely. Saul and David... They heard that call through the prophet Samuel. And so Samuel went and followed what God wanted him to do and called David and Saul. In other words, in their case, someone else passed along that call. And with the 12, we have God directly through Jesus who's making the call of follow me. So the call is important. John MacArthur, one you may recognize, wrote a book called Rediscovering Pastoral Ministry. And he used that word call, C-A-L-L, as an acronym to talk about what's involved in the call as God calls us. For the C, he uses the word confirmation. That confirmation is often brought by other people in the congregation. I can remember back when I was still in the workaday world and I would have an opportunity to get up maybe to do a communion meditation, maybe an offering time meditation, which we did at that church. And there would be different people within the church that would come up and just say a word of encouragement. And some of them said, You ought to be a preacher. And they were right. God was bringing that call. I told y'all about Spencer a couple of weeks ago. An old pool shark in uh, Tucson, Arizona. And him telling me, Eric, you don't belong here. See, that's part of God's call too. You ladies that are studying, experiencing God, you're understanding that, right? God will call us from different directions. In Acts 16, Paul finds a young man who has spiritual leadership potential, who is highly spoken of by many Christians that know him. And in fact, Timothy was an exceptional leader. And those Christians recognized it. And Paul recognized it, and he brought Timothy alongside to train him up and then to release him for ministry himself. So church, you may be the person who sees spiritual leadership potential in someone else. See if you can answer these questions just to yourself. I'm trying to seed some thoughts in you, some faces, some people. Who do you know that is a willing servant? Does a name come to mind? Does a face come to mind? Where have you seen them step out and help out? Who do you go to for spiritual advice? For godly counsel? For understanding the Bible when you've read something and you don't understand what you're reading? Who is it you go to? For clarification. 
In other words, who do you see that is already functioning as an elder or a deacon, even though they may not be in recognized leadership? You know, Proverbs eleven fourteen tells us many advisors make a victory sure. And we need good advisors. Maybe you are that person. Maybe you're that person who has spiritual leadership potential. Let me ask you this. Have others sought you out? for spiritual advice and counsel? Do you enjoy helping other people understand Scripture? Are you a people person for God? Do you experience joy when they get it? God may be using others and that joy in the Spirit to help you understand where you might better fit within His kingdom. A, abilities. Elders and deacons, they're different functions of leadership within the body of Christ. And so they have different skill sets. And notice I didn't say position. Position is a board word where you have people that are on a board that make a decision and expect everybody else to carry it out. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about functional leaders who understand where the group needs to go and they're willing to lead people in that direction. It is a function of leadership, not a position. We'll talk more about that over the next couple of weeks. In Acts 6, we see this place where the body has grown to a point where the original 12 really can't handle it. And there are some needs that need to be made. And so they appoint ministers, deacons, to see the everyday needs of the group, specifically over widows who are being overlooked that need some help. And the apostles, who were the first elders of the church, are being given over to prayer and the ministry of the word. The word that's used there for ministry means proclamation or education. You see, the deacons come alongside to take care of some of what we would call the everyday thing so that the elders can be available to take care of the spiritual needs of the body. And that's their main function. In fact, Lynn Anderson, in his book, They Smell Like Sheep, says that the elders really have three main functions. That's to shepherd and to mentor and to equip. You can't shepherd if you don't smell like sheep. Shepherds have a following. Mentor. You are mentoring. You are not only taking care of those that are following. You're also leading them and teaching them and equipping them for ministry, the way Paul did with Timothy and Titus, raising them up and releasing them to ministry. In order to do this, elder shepherds have to be skilled in leading. They need interpersonal skills, communication skills, analytical thinking, and they need some practical spiritual gifting 
as well in order to teach, encourage, lead, and delegate administrative tasks to someone who does them very well so they can stay functioned on the spiritual health of you and others that are here and part of this flock that we call Oakland Drive Christian Church. And by the way, they are all, and I am, an under-shepherd. Yes? Because who is the good shepherd? Jesus. And he's the one we're taking our marching orders from. Amen? Okay. You think about Moses. Did Moses have any abilities to lead a whole band of people, a million strong, out of Egypt and across the desert? You think about it. Moses, where was he raised? In Pharaoh's house, alongside of his son, who would be the next Pharaoh. Do you know what that meant? That meant he got the best education in the world at that time on how to run a nation. Did you ever stop and think about that? He was being equipped for service. And when he left Egypt, he spent 40 years learning what it meant to be a shepherd. You know, when he tried to do it on his own and he wound up killing an Egyptian. He not only had that education, but then he learned what it meant to serve. And for 40 years, he was out there protecting and feeding and leading his father-in-law's sheep so that he could protect, feed, and lead God's flock. Has God equipped you with practical skills, spiritual knowledge, a, a heart of a servant? Has he equipped you to be a shepherd? If you can see God shaping you with the ability and heart to lead, then you may need to prayerfully consider, maybe even with fasting, how he intends to use you within his kingdom. We've got the call. We've got ability. L, longing. 1 Peter 5, 2, you can write it down. 1 Peter 5, 2 Speaking to the shepherds, uh, the elders there where Peter is writing to, he says, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are what? You are willing, not be, <clears throat> as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve. And we're going to come back to this in a couple of weeks as well. But a couple things that I want you to note here. You're willing and eager to serve. Over in 1 Timothy 3, Paul uses a word that's translated as desire. Those who desire to bishop, it is actually not a noun. Okay, it is a function. 
The word desire there is, is the same thing as we would call a longing. Have you ever had a longing in your heart? I bet some of you have. You remember those days before you were married? And your wife or your husband were miles apart. If you're as old as me, you had to write letters. Or it cost you an awful lot to make a phone call from Arizona to Kentucky by the minute. You remember those days? Do you remember that longing that you had? And then you came to that point where you were able to be together? Do you have that kind of longing for God? A longing to serve him, to do whatever it is he would have you do. He paid for your life. He gave up his son. He himself in flesh died for you. Has that created a longing in you by the weight of sin that's been removed to do whatever he would desire you to do? Where does that longing come from? Does it come from a love of God and a love for his people and lordship? A willingness to serve and eagerness to do whatever he calls you to? Friend, does your heart ache for the body of Christ, Do you have a burning desire to share the good news of Jesus Christ and to help those within the body of Christ to become active, growing disciples who are also discipling others? If so, you may have the longing that's needed. For a servant leader. Servant leaders in the body of Christ must not just personally desire God with all their heart. They must also desire to bring others into a knowledge, a saving grace of Jesus Christ. One more L. Lifestyle. Now, this is a rubber and road moment, and I'm not going to hit it real hard today, but we will come back to this over the next several weeks because, quite frankly, not everyone who loves people and has some biblical knowledge or interpersonal skills is really cut out for servant leadership. Elders must be blameless in character, integrity, about how they go about living their life in this demented, selfish, sin-filled, self-seeking world that we live in. That attitude cannot be among our servant leadership, elder or deacon. I would even say teachers in that. A lifestyle that emulates Christ is an absolute. It's a non-negotiable because lifestyle overarches ability and longing. 
Why? You know why. Do you not expect me to be an example to you in how I live my life? You know what Paul calls that? He calls that holding me to a higher standard you hold yourself. Let me ask you, have you ever done that with your preacher? (laughs) I didn't hear a lot of yeses, but I'm seeing some. You're not meaning to do it, but you're doing it. Do you not also expect high level of integrity and character out of your leaders, your servant leaders, your elders, your deacons, those who teach? If you don't, you're headed for trouble. And by the way, I understand like Paul. Paul was not saying that it's okay for you to hold me to a higher standard. What Paul was doing is he was recognizing that that's what we naturally do as people. But you should hold yourself to a higher standard. You're not going to like this, but I'm going to say it. You should never hold me to a standard that you're not willing to achieve yourself. Otherwise, you are falling short of where you should be in the body of Christ. So, there we have it. Confirmation. Ability. Longing. Lifestyle. All of these things point to God's call. Why? Why is it important that leaders in the body of Christ be called by God? I'll tell you one answer. Simply put, leadership within the body is difficult and demanding. When the gospel, the word of God needs to be defended, when decisions and changes of direction are needed, when sheep bite, when wolves snarl and the world threatens, Friends, brothers, sisters, it's difficult and it's demanding. You know, Jesus said in Luke 9, 62, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. And friends, not only is that true for all of us, that's especially true for those who we recognize their leadership within this group. Because Jesus said in John 10, 13, that the hired hand shepherd, the hired hand shepherd runs when it gets difficult and demanding, when they're faced with danger. And what Jesus says, it's because they have no vested interest in the sheep. Those that are going to be leading us need to have a vested interest in you. You need to have a vested interest in them. We all need to recognize that we're human and we make mistakes. Not calling for perfect. We're calling for those that are striving 
and we recognize that striving. Friend, I can tell you that especially in my time of being a minister, the urge to give up and to go do something else is real. I haven't been here long enough for y'all to put me in that place yet. <laughs> but it's real, okay? You need to be praying for me. I get tempted to not be the kind of person who should be your preacher. I need your strength to strengthen me so that I can encourage you. Scott, Randy, they need you praying for them because they'll have those temptations. And as we look towards this next season of election, you need to be right now praying for whomever we seek and we wind up bringing into that recognized leadership because they need you praying for them. Knowing God has called brings courage and faith to stand in the gap. Also, God's appointed shepherds must stay in step with him. Paul talks about spiritual gifting in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. You know, spiritual gifts are given to uplift the body. Everyone has them. And by the way, that idea of building up the body is not just internal. Do you realize that when we reach out and we bring others to Christ, what are we doing? We are building up the body, right? So it's not just internal, it's also external. However, not... Every person has every gift. That's one reason why we need a plurality of leaders. So that different people who have different strengths can all strengthen each other and strengthen the body together. Each member of the body performing its function in concert with other parts. Do you know what we call that? We call that unity in diversity. Not uniformity. We cannot all be the same. That's back to the body language, right? A hand can't be an eye and I shouldn't be a foot, right? It's a unity in diversity. That's what we're after. Each of us should serve where we are best suited. Especially those that are in recognized leadership. Be they elders, deacons, or even those who teach around here they must be certain that God has called them and equipped them for their function within the body of Christ otherwise we have a misfit and with a misfit we're ineffective in the body of Christ and the gospel and its spread suffers Aiden Tozer years ago, gave one of the best reasons why we must be certain of God's call when we're talking about servant leadership. In fact, 
he was thinking about something. He was thinking about Christ in his crucifixion and trying to think about leadership and where Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. By the way, when did he say to do that? He said, you need to take up your cross and follow me what? Daily. Oh, you're familiar with that. Good. Luke 9.23. And Tozer made the, made the observation that we must all live a crucified life. He's trying to figure out exactly what that means. So he, he rested on this. And he came up with this. He observed that the crucified can only face one direction, and that is forward. Likewise, those who have crucified themselves to the world for the sake of Christ can only look forward. We are to advance the kingdom of God in every way that will honor our Lord Jesus. Retreat is not an option. That has been taken away from us. We are to look forward. Second observation he made. The crucified life can never turn back. When we commit to the cross of Christ, that commitment needs to be permanent. Romans 6, Paul writes, So do we go on sinning, having a sinful life, so that grace may abound? Because he was just talking about the fact that every time somebody sinned, God's grace is there to pick them up. If they sin again, it picks them up. And he gets to chapter 6 and he goes, Do we keep sinning so grace may abound? What he says next is probably the strongest negative in Greek, it's meginatol, it's two words. It gets translated, you may have heard, by no means, right? Let me put it to you in modern English. That's stupid. We don't test God's grace. We don't go back to the life that we used to have. Don't you realize that when you were baptized into Christ, you were baptized into his death so that you could be raised a new creature? By the way, if you want to read, just read those first five or six verses. I think I just covered them well. But go back and read it. And remember, it's your baptism that gives you the hope of resurrection. It's right there in verse 5. We don't live in that world anymore. We're moving forward. We don't turn back. Do you remember that old spiritual? I bet you know it. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. What? No turning back. 
How many of y'all sung that before? Let me see your hands. Yeah. Okay, put your hands down and keep them down. How many of you have meant that when you've sung it? How many of you are living the crucified life? Those we recognize to be our spiritual leaders, to be our spiritual shepherds, need to be people who are living a crucified life. Tozer had a third observation. The crucified life no longer has plans of its own. And friend, I'm going to tell you what. When you decide that you're going to follow Jesus, no turning back, your plans are going to change. Now, some of the things that you think about, God's going to use that. He's going to use your passion. He's going to use who you are. But you're going to be living for him, not for you. Because we cannot live for ourselves and for God as well. We must choose one or the other. Paul writes to the church in Galatians 2.20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I live in the body, I live in faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you hear what he is saying? We have to live a crucified life. Friends, I want to invite you to join us and to take up your cross and follow Jesus. Father God, we thank you for your word, for the encouragement that's there, and also, Father, for the strength of your leadership, for the fact that you accept us exactly as we are. But, Father, when we come into your presence, may we never leave unchanged. We thank you, Father, for those that you equip in order to be leaders to help keep us on the path, to keep us true to your word. And, Father, we pray for them, those that are in leadership now and those that may be joining leadership here shortly. We pray, Father, for their families, for their heart, for their dedication.